covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. Another week of talking Brewers baseball when there is no baseball to talk about as the coronavirus pandemic continues to uh, impact not just baseball, but the entire sports world and literally the entire world overall. Uh, Just about everybody is dealing with this right now, but from a sports and from a baseball standpoint, it means we don't have it right now. And we really don't know when we're going to have it. It would seem at the absolute earliest, maybe some form of baseball starting up, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, mid to late May. That is the most probably optimistic view on it the most pessimistic view is that there's no baseball played at all this summer and somewhere between the two things is probably where the truth is so i'll tell you right off the top of the uh, podcast we're kind of going to pivot here um there's not a lot to talk about right there's not a lot to talk about and we could sit here and, and try to break down you know position groups and or sit here and talk about how things are being impacted like there's just there's we're trying to do something somewhat different uh, each week on the podcast so what i'm gonna try to do is kind of make this an interview based and we've clearly done you know interviews are, are already a very big part of this podcast but kind of more feature type interviews uh is what's going to be on this uh podcast here probably moving forward and uh, we've got a fun one today i've got a conversation coming up with brewers uh radio broadcaster jeff levering extended conversation with him we talked for close to 40 minutes and uh, that's going to be coming up in a few minutes and we do talk about what's going on right now and the way it's being uh, impacted by the coronavirus pandemic and the way baseball might look when it comes back. But we get into some other things as well, which is uh, certainly fun and, and talk about his path to the big leagues and, and some other things. So we're going to do that. And I, I didn't even tell Jeff I was going to do this because when I talked to Jeff, I didn't realize it until later. I don't, I don't get rid of anything on my computer. Like I've got everything forever and ever and ever I, uh, I cause anxiety for people when they look at my computer desktop with all the different icons there. Like my, it's just a mess. There's no, there's very little organization to uh, a lot of aspects of what's going on on my computer. Uh, but every time I get a new one, everything just gets moved from one to the next one. So I have everything. When Jeff was in his first year with the Brewers, when he was in the position that Lane Grendel is currently in, part of the job is for those guys to go visit every minor league affiliate. And at that time, I was working in AAA Colorado Springs, and I was, in addition to being one of the Sky Sox broadcasters, I also did an afternoon sports talk show every day. And when Jeff came and visited Colorado Springs, I had him uh, I had him as a guest on my afternoon talk show in Colorado Springs, and I happened to have that interview. So you know what? What the heck? I'm going to throw that old interview from Colorado Springs from five years ago on at the end of this podcast, and you can listen to Jeff five years ago in his uh, in his first year. Just something kind of uh, fun to, to do, and if you have no interest in it, you don't have to listen to it, but we'll throw that in uh, at the end. As always, our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast, uh, if you do listen via Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review and can subscribe, that would be fantastic. If you need to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. All right, so uh, this past week, 
an agreement was uh, agreed upon, uh, the, 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 the terms and conditions, I guess you could say, of what baseball would look like and how it would look coming out of this, uh, agreed upon between players and owners. And there's a lot in there. I mean, there's stipulations to the draft and limiting the draft to uh, a lot less rounds, not just this year, but next year. And there's there might even be some implications about the minor league contraction. That is something that's been on the table for a while. Players are going to receive basically salary through a certain period of time. That's going to be kind of upfronted to the players, even if baseball is not being played. If baseball eventually returns, that salary would then be just part of their overall salary for the year. If baseball does not return, those the players will not have to give the salary back to the teams, uh, but they will be able to keep it from a service time standpoint. Players will be able to receive uh, their full year of service time this year. So like if you're a Dodgers fan out there and you went out and you acquired, your team acquired Mookie Betts, and if there was no baseball this year, well, that's that, that means Mookie Betts can become a free agent and never play a single game for you. I thought the most important part of this, and a lot of people have been talking about it, and a lot of people have been, you know, rightfully so, because when you look at some of the wording of the agreement, it's it's really easy to maybe say, okay, baseball's not going to return. So per ESPN's Jeff Passan, I'll just read from his story. Um, it says. As part of the agreement obtained by ESPN's Jeff Passan, the players in Major League Baseball primarily agreed that the 2020 season will not start until each of the following conditions are met. And the three conditions were, we'll go the second two first and then go back to the first one, which is where people get worried. Uh, the second one is there are no travel restrictions throughout the United States and Canada. And then the third one is medical experts determine that there would be no health risk for players, staff, or fans with the commissioners and unions still able to revisit the idea of playing in empty stadiums. So the last part of that combined with the first one, which is, quote, there are no bans on mass gatherings that would limit the ability to play in front of fans. However, the commissioner could still consider the use of appropriate substitute neutral sites were economically feasible. People read that, and they, the initial reaction was, if there are any bans on mass gatherings in the United States, baseball is not going to be played. And... Who knows how long that's going to take for all bans to be lifted. So now there is a really good chance that baseball is not going to be played. So that's how pe- that's not me talking. That's how other people thought. Now, I'll be honest with you. After reading all this, I am less confident that there will be baseball this season now than I was before I read this. But I still think there's going to be baseball to be played. And for me, what this says is... If, if, if there is clearly a path, if, if owners and teams and the government and just like everybody who's part of this process, if they can say, look, we're going to be able to play baseball in front of fans in July or in August, but those same people are saying it would be safe to play baseball in an empty stadium or at a neutral site or whatever it might be, it would still be safe to say to do that in June, I think the owners would go with that. 
if there was at least the light at the end of the tunnel that you would still get a, a considerable amount of baseball to be played this year with fans in the stands, I think the owners would go for a scenario where they're, they play without fans at the beginning. Where I think you don't see baseball this year is a scenario where there is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no clear path to ever being able to play games in front of fans this year. From we can we can talk all we want about baseball owners and how much money is actually coming in and how profitable these organizations are, yada yada yada. We can do that. But by them having this thing in place with the players where if they don't play any more baseball, they're not going to owe them any more money beyond what was given to them at the beginning. All of a sudden, if you start playing these games in empty stadiums, you got to start paying the salaries again of all these players through the end of the season, and you might not have much revenue coming in. Now, you'll, you'll have some TV revenue. You'll have some other things coming in. I'm not saying that they're going to be not making any money, but from a corporate sales standpoint, from a group sales standpoint, from from a lot of different standpoints, there's not going to, and of course from gate, the the amount of fans that come in. And when you compare Major League Baseball to, say, the NBA and the NHL, especially the NBA, I can't speak so much on the NHL and what percentage of their overall profits are a result of attendance, but certainly at the NBA, the, 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 the attendance, the cost of tickets sold in Major League Baseball accounts for a higher percentage of overall revenue for major league baseball teams than it does for for other teams that's just that's the fact of the matter so that that's kind of where i'm going with this i think if there is a path to playing baseball with fans at the end of the season for a, a considerable significant amount of time there is going to be baseball played this year, and I would think it's going to start in a situation where there might not be fans in the stadium. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now, and that's a little bit different than what I said on last week's podcast. So uh, it's a it's a very fluid situation that is seemingly changing on an every week basis. So we'll see what we're saying about this come next week. But right now, there's no baseball. All right. So again, uh, Jeff Levering. One of the Brewers radio broadcasters have an extended conversation with him. In fact, let's get to it uh, right now as we do bring Jeff uh, onto the prod onto the podcast. Excuse me, and, and Jeff, this is weird. I mean, we've never been through this before. This is the time of year that we should be. The season should have already started. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday. The Brewers were scheduled to play Sunday night baseball on this Sunday, which would have been really cool for an organization that, quite honestly, doesn't get on Sunday night baseball all that often. But instead, we're we're on our homes. We're we're sheltering in place. We're you know whatever whatever the terminology is. Uh, how weird is this for you right now? You're you've been doing this for so long. You're a baseball guy. How odd? How weird is it that uh, you're at home right now and there's no baseball being played? It's very weird. Um, I, I haven't had anything like this in, in as long as I can remember uh, because before I got into Major League Baseball, the Brewers, I was in the minor leagues, and I was in television before that for a couple of years out on the West Coast, and before that I was playing. So I haven't had an opportunity where I, I haven't been involved in baseball since I was four years old before I started playing Little League. So this is definitely weird. It's um, it's a blessing. It's a curse. At the same time, you'd love to be out there and be at the ballpark and be around the guys and 
an exciting Brewers team, but it's it's a blessing that, that I get to be around my family a little bit more. They get to see me, but by the, the time this thing's all said and done, they're going to want me out on that road at some point. So hopefully that's coming sooner rather than later. I would guess most people listening to this podcast probably already follow you on Twitter at JLevering4, uh, but you and your family have put together some fun things almost on an everyday basis. Your most recent one, uh, you did some zoo stuff, and there's a, there's a great little video of you acting like a penguin. So uh, clearly you're having some fun right now with uh, some of these other things you get to do. Yeah, we're trying. I mean, the the amount of smiles that people are having during this whole situation are, are limited. So we're just trying to bring some smiles to people's faces, and um, and hopefully, if they're seeing some of my wife and my content, and our kids are getting involved in it on a, a couple of them too, um, maybe it maybe it brings a smile to your face, or, or maybe it gives you an idea of, of some activity to do as a family. Or uh, the first one we did was we put on, um, I put on my tuxedo from my junior high school prom and my wife put on a homecoming dress and just because they were the oldest things in our closet, I said, Hey, I wonder if these things still fit or should we even hang on to this stuff? So it's, it's a, it's a purge. It's having some fun with, with different items around the house and, and just trying to keep our sanity and, and trying not to climb up the walls too much, but it, it's been fun and it's been well received, I think from, from the social media uh, contingency, and yeah, again, it's it's just something to to keep our our sanity during this, this really weird time. How about one of your broadcast partners and Lane Grindle being part of starting a uh, a national movement to put Christmas lights back up? Yeah, pretty crazy idea, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I thought the I thought the one that, that really got me was the fact that he's telling everybody to put up their lights, and he doesn't do it himself for like ten days. Starting going viral and. He's getting all these newspapers that are that are contacting and at the same time he's like, Well, I guess I should put up my lights then if I'm telling people to put up their lights, then maybe I should do it. So I I'm happy for him and, and I'm glad he got up on that ladder. I was worried about him and the heights and whether or not he'd be able to do it if with all the social distancing he couldn't have his neighbor put up his lights for him. So he had to do it himself. So I, I give him a lot of credit for doing it. Let's go back to when when you're in Arizona and st- Baseball was still being played, and then all of a sudden we start hearing the rumors that maybe Major League Baseball is going to follow the lead of some of the other sports that have shut down, and then eventually the word does come down. Is it surreal? What is, what's the feeling like when all of a sudden everything that was at spring training is no longer? Um, it, surreal is a great word for it um, because when all the, the stuff was going on that Wednesday evening, uh, we were on the air. We were, we were calling Brewers-Dodgers game in Glendale, and our game was delayed a half an hour because rainstorms that were in the area in Phoenix. And at that time, the president went on and made his first public address about the situation, and Rudy Gobert of the, the Utah Jazz was pulled off the floor in Oklahoma City, and, and the rest pulled everybody off the floor, and they canceled that game, and subsequently all of the dominoes started to fall with the NBA, and then Fred Hoiberg is coaching in the Big Ten tournament, and he's sick, and he ends up having influenza, and everybody thought he had coronavirus. So all of the stuff was happening in a very short amount of time, and we were calling a baseball game, so we're watching all this stuff on our Twitter feeds in live action. Meanwhile, trying to keep up to date what's going on in our own game, and then by by the seventh inning, the NBA season had been postponed, the Big Ten tournament, the Big East tournament, and all these other major conference basketball tournaments had been canceled and postponed. So we're sitting there going, well, if this is all happening, then 
surely tomorrow some something in Major League Baseball is going to happen, and at ten in the morning, that's that's when they made the announcement. So we could see all of the events happening in real time while we were on the air, and we kind of read the tea leaves at that point too, and, and we talked about it on the air, um, just about I, I, baseball is going to follow the lead at some point, and we had an idea that it was going to happen. And then the, the, the crazy part about all of it was so that was all happening on a Wednesday night. Baseball comes out on Thursday and says, we're going to postpone the season. They gave themselves two weeks, which subsequently has been an extra month. And it was the same weekend as the, the big brewers sponsor an investment weekend um, where you've got everybody in town who is a, a partner of the Milwaukee brewers. And they're all excited to meet players and, and the coaching staff and, and enjoy a weekend away from Wisconsin and, and, and bad weather and enjoy some good weather. And, you know, you, you can't really treat them the way that you'd like to treat them with, with the, the benefits that they get because of what was happening. So that night there was a, a cocktail reception and a dinner and I had to go up there and talk with David Stearns and, and Craig Council And we're just, over that 24-hour period, it went from all this enthusiasm and, man, the Brewers are looking good heading into 2020. The roster is starting to take its shape to we don't know when we're going to play baseball again. So all of those things over that 24-hour period, um, I'd never experienced anything like that and so quickly with the exception of 9-11. Um, but with the way that this thing has, has spiraled, it's scary. It's scary stuff, and it's very real. And and baseball is the the least of everybody's problems. From a logistical standpoint, though, baseball is in a unique spot than the other sports. I mean, you you had minor league camp starting, so you had this influx of so many more players to spring training camps. Uh, you've got international players, so finding a place for them. You got guys who their their housing is set for the start of the major league season, but it's not. I mean, there's all these issues that go along with so many people as part of spring training. How much work has it been for so many different individuals associated with not just the Brewers, but any major league team trying to work out? all these different issues that exist it's a ton and and the headaches are, are migraines now um you know there, there aren't enough prescription headache medicines that are out there for these traveling secretaries and all logistical folks within the minor leagues and the major league systems so as you mentioned all this stuff was coming to a head as minor league players were just about to arrive some of them were there at camp not many but a handful so those guys hey you're sent home you're going right back to where you came from so stay in shape, and maybe this thing will come about. The, the leasing issues um, with apartments and Airbnbs or whatever, you're, you're renting uh, a place in Phoenix or in Florida, wherever you're training, um, families who are, are from different countries. There, there are so many logistical nightmares. And if you have to, once baseball resumes, and hopefully it does here in 2020, you're going to have to think about those things again when it's, when it comes time to figure out where that site is going to be. So, you know, you're, you're looking at, and all the conversations are, are is it going to be in Arizona in your training facility, or is it going to be in your major league city? And I mean, logistically it would make more sense to just have it be in major league cities. Most of those leases are finished too, and, and are already up and running, but it's, it's just, there are so many moving parts with the amount of people. For an example, the, the Brewers always have truck day, right? And truck day is one of the most exciting days where they load up all the baseballs, the bats, and all the bubble gum and all that stuff. And some players suitcases and golf clubs in, in Milwaukee. And 
send them down to Arizona, and it's a, a, a really big, fun day. It signals, okay, spring training is on its way. Well, that stuff has to get back, mm-hmm. right? you got to load up the truck, and it's got to make its way back to Milwaukee. Well, when everybody's leaving Arizona to go back to wherever they're going, whether they're going home or going to a, a vacation home or wherever they're going, for me, it was heading back home and, and hunkering down a week before we were supposed to and try and get out of our lease. But there was there was some stuff that we needed to, and the brewers are very generous in allowing me to put a couple of suitcases on that on that truck and head back. But when you're dropping it back off, they said we don't know when this truck is going back to Milwaukee. We don't know when you're going to see this stuff. So make sure it's stuff that you're okay not seeing for a while because we don't know when it's going to be sent back. So there are a lot of people that are in my circumstance or in, in other people's circumstance where they're waiting for stuff that's sitting in a closet in Arizona and, and no truck to put it on. Hmm. So then those are, again, logistical things that, that get figured out and very minor things when it comes down to it. Um, but it's just, it just goes to show the amount of moving parts and, and um, what everybody has to go through with, with red tape with this whole thing. Have you had a moment yet where you were looking for something and then all of a sudden you realized, oh, that's still in Arizona? <laughs> no, not yet. Thankfully, thankfully, because I knew I wasn't going to see some of that stuff for a long time. And and in Milwaukee, we were if say we were a, a West Coast team, or uh, if I was working for the Texas Rangers or whatever, and I'd want a pair of shorts, I'd be in trouble because all my shorts are still in Arizona. So I don't have to worry about that quite yet. But if that truck doesn't get here by I don't know June, I'm going to the store and getting myself some, some shorts or getting on Amazon pretty quick. <laughs> The, this past week, Major League Baseball, the, both the players and owners uh, came together on an agreement. It, 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 there's a lot involved in that, some money being going to players in the early going, but if the season doesn't happen, then they're not going to get paid out the rest of the year, service time issues, things like that. Something that a lot of people jumped on was there's a stipulation in there that says they don't have to return to playing baseball if they're not cleared to be able to play in front of fans. Some people take that as... Baseball is not going to be played this year. Other people take that as, okay, the baseball could be played this year, but there's got to be some assurances that at least at some point in the season, maybe not the start, that you got to be able to have fans in the stands. Where do you stand on all that and the way that was written out this past week? Um, you got options. I think that is, that's number one. For me, I think I think sports in general, whether it's baseball or any other sport, is, is going to be really important for this country to get through all of this. Uh, that's how it was during nine eleven. That's how it's it's been in any any sort of situation where you're looking for this this big upper, and, and the country relies upon sports, and and everybody in this nation is consuming so much about the coronavirus. It feels like everybody's an expert, but nobody's an expert at the same time. And either way, you're con- everybody is consuming so much information about this one subject that they need something to get their eyes, their ears, their hearts off of. Right? That, that, and again, that goes back to our social media posts that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. But they, they're going to need sports. And for me, whether fans and fans or they're not, there's going to be so much consumption of the game, of other games, of other sports that it's going to help the country dig itself out. So for me, whether fans are in the stands or not, 
I think it would be. I love having fans in the stands. I love having that that energy and and the players' feet on that too. And it's tough to play in front of an empty stadium. Um, but at the same time, if you want to play games and if you want to dig yourself out, I think you got to play in front of in front of nobody. Uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt economically. Uh, it's going to hurt the the game day employees. Um, it will benefit television broadcast ratings. It'll benefit radio broadcast readings, um, uh, ratings, I should say. Those two things are going to thrive, um, and the sport will be back. I think that's that's what's going to be most important. But fans, especially here in Milwaukee, if they're they're not allowed to go watch the Brewers, um, it's going to be a tough, really, really tough spring and summer. Um, if they can't go watch it in person, that that just signifies what this city and and what this state is all about. Brewers in the summertime, uh, but if if the shape of the game depends on this, you got to play. You got to play whether it's in front of fans or not, and whether that's in June or July or August, whenever that happens. Um, again, it's it's as long as it's safe. They're going to try and get those games in, and I think it's important for the country to do that too. Do you have any feelings about the the different stipulations that might be in there? That maybe a couple doubleheaders a week, expanded rosters, expanded postseason, neutral site World Series in a warm weather city or a dome stadium—all those sort of things that have been kind of floated out there as, as possibilities. Does anything strike you particularly? It's a great testing time, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So they've been talking about shortening the season. Well have your opportunity right here and see how it plays. Um, I think that's a, that's a really good idea. I don't hate the neutral site world series. I, I think it, it's a, it's a huge bummer for fans. Um, but in this circumstance, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. The double header issue. Um, they've done it. They did that for years and years and years when they didn't have the travel and uh, travel availability that they have now. So why not go for some double headers? Uh, I don't hate that. Maybe have Mondays off and Sunday doubleheaders. Um, one that then intrigues me is the, the roster size. I mean, they've been talking about 26 guys, and that was going to go through this year anyway, and only having 28 in September. Well, if you're starting spring training all over again, I don't hate having 30 guys on your roster for the first month of the season. It's a smart thing. You're going to see such an influx of injuries over the course of this season uh, because of the, the ramp up the immediate stop and then trying to ramp up again. I feel like especially pitchers, there are going to be a lot of injuries this year that you haven't seen in years past. So having that expanded roster, especially at the beginning, is one that really intrigues me. And and I think it's kind of an inverse of what has happened with the Brewers over the last couple of years where Craig Council is like a mad scientist in, in the month of September because he's got 40 guys at his disposal. Maybe the Brewers get off to this great start because you've got so many guys at your disposal, and then you build up a little bit of a lead, and then you can kind of coast, hopefully, and, and play good baseball from there. But it's the inverse where it's you get a lot of guys at the front end of the schedule. Craig Council's talked about this for a couple of years, too. Maybe you just start out that way, and then when games matter most, yeah. But I think that one is, and if it happens, uh, one to really keep your eye on that that roster, the uh, the roster expansion early on in the season. 
if you were to have at least one doubleheader a week, maybe, I mean, the idea of playing two doubleheaders a week have been floated out there, you would almost have to have some version of an expanded roster the entire season to pull that off, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You'd have to have at least 30 guys available just for, for pitchers' arms. Um, you might even see the rule because they had changed the rule from 10 days in the minor leagues, which has been a rule for the last couple of years, back to 15 prior to 2020. So if you option a guy down, he's got to be down there for 15 days, like DL or the injured list, I should say. Um, so you, you might have to go back to that. You know, well, you're going to need those arms because of the doubleheaders. You might revert back to the 10-day rule back in the minor leagues. I wouldn't be shocked if they, they reverted that one, too. If you're playing two doubleheaders a week, an extra couple of games, um, you're going to need the bodies. Something that's not being talked about that I would be concerned about, and maybe I'm just being worried about stuff that I don't need to be worried about, at the beginning of spring training when pitchers are ramping up, there's the ramping up in terms of number of pitches being thrown, but there's also the ramping up in intensity. You know, a guy who hits 96-97 isn't hitting 96-97 in their first few spring training appearances. Do you think there would be concern now all of a sudden you're playing games that matter, the the manager can control number of pitches thrown so you don't have to worry about that, but how do you tell a guy, "Hey, you can't you can't go all out even though this game matters?" I, I think it's it goes back to the the spring the spring training conversation that we that I touched on a little bit a moment ago where you're still ramping up you got to be smart and um, and Craig Council and other managers in the big leagues are, are smart about this too you don't you don't have to go all out yes these games matter but if you're going to be piggybacking early on in the season where you've got a starting pitcher go say three innings and then another guy go two or three after that and then use your bullpen and navigate your innings. I mean that that's nothing new for what the what the Brewers have been able to do for the last couple of years. And and granted it you've got a whole season to get yourself ready to go. But I for me I, I don't think that's as big an issue. Um especially if there aren't fans in the stands. Yeah. If you don't have fans in the stands, you don't have that extra adrenaline that's pumping and, and maybe you're trying to do too much. Um that's another factor to that too where you know, it's it's like a Florida State League game in the middle of July where nobody's there. You got seven people in the crowd. Um, granted, your games matter in the minor leagues, but they don't matter, matter, quote unquote. Um, so I, I don't think that that ramping up of your velocity and whatnot, trying to do too much, is going to be that big of a deal early on once play resumes. I was watching the Major League Baseball did the cool opening day at home thing this past week on Thursday and at 7:30 in the morning I think it was they showed the the game one between the Brewers and Rockies from a couple years ago and I was I remember when that game happened I remember running to where I do the post game show in the ninth inning and then things not going great and eventually them winning but that was I was so caught up at the time in getting ready for the post game show and everything that goes along with it Quite honestly, Jeff, I didn't I didn't remember every aspect of it. I didn't remember that before Moose had his uh, big hit that he just barely foul-tipped one. Like, there's so many small things that I, I didn't remember. I was watching that game, and I was I was I knew what was about to happen, but I was so locked in. Every pitch mattered. I was at the end of my seat, and it was really fun to experience it in that way. I've never experienced that game that way, and now I really want to go back and watch a lot more games here in this period to kind of experience that again. Have you had any of that during this period? Um, a little bit. So I watched the the game one as well. Um, 
on on opening day or would have been opening day on Thursday. Um, and and there were a couple of things I, that I picked up that in the moment I knew were happening and I knew they were big plays, but I'd kind of forgotten. Um, one that that you just talked about, the dropped potential third strike where Mustak has fouled the ball and Tony Walters had hit his palm and it just because I was calling that play, and I and I remember distinctly, and I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what I said because I haven't gone back and listened to that full inning, but that's a either catch it or you don't situation, and it's so close. And, and the very next pitch, which I'm shocked wasn't a slider, but um, fastball and right field, game over. But even going back into the ninth inning, Charlie Blackman's foul ball down the right field line that was that they initially called a ground rule double and they came back and said, no, it's a foul ball. And it's by like a speck of dirt, how close that was to having a runner at second and already a tie game with nobody out or JJ getting out of a bases loaded, no out situation and only giving up one run on a sack fly. Um, that was unbelievable in that ninth inning. And even in the attempt to give Moustakis an opportunity, a very subtle shift by the, the Rockies defense, and Curtis Granderson hits a, a ground ball to short, which is an easy double play to end the inning, and you're going into the 11th. But because they were in the shift, he beats it out, and it's, it sets up Moustakas. Just little things where you go, oh, man, that's right. Um, one game I want to go back and watch, uh, or listen to at least in its entirety, is the, the, the game in September in St. Louis when Braun hits the grand slam to give the Brewers a lead, the 3-2 count in St. Louis, just crushed the Cardinals at that time. I definitely want to go back and listen to that one. Um, Yelich's three-homer game, any of the Cubs' comeback games where they had, um, where Yelich hits a game-tying homer in the 10th and Hero wins it um, with a home run off of Kimball, too. There are so many games where I just want to go back and listen, or even the psycho game that, that happened in, in Washington, D.C., that ended up being like a 14-13 mm-hmm. game in 14 innings. That I mean, I, I love going back and listening to those types of games. Shameless plug, because the WTMJ is doing a bunch of Brewers classics. That game uh, with the Braun Grand Slam is going to air in its entirety on Wednesday, April 29th. So if you don't listen to it before then, you can listen to it on the radio that night. Nice. I can't wait. Yeah. I- it was. I'm telling you, man. It was really surreal on opening day. I listened to the to the re-air of opening day from 2019, and I was in the backyard. And I was doing my own little tailgate at my house with my family, and I was throwing them throwing pitches to my son in the backyard, and he was hitting, and we were having a good time. But we were listening to the broadcast, and my son stops for a second. He goes, "Dad, this is really weird because I hear you talking right now, but you're pitching me baseballs. I don't really know what's happening." And for a five-year-old, that's kind of tough to wrap your head around. In fact, <laughs> this is a. I'm glad you said that. How much? Because this is something I'm starting to experience as a, a as a father of a one-year-old. Like one of my greatest joys this past year was I would take her along with me to uh, to to Green Bay women's basketball games. I do the play-by-play for them. And before the game, she would be out on the court just kind of crawling around and, you know, players would, would see her and kind of spend some time with her and, and some of the coaches, you know, would, would spend some time with her and everything. And it was so much fun for me to experience what I do professionally and even with just a one-year-old sharing it with her 
for you as a father. And there, I've seen some pictures of you know you with with one of your kids on 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 your lap when you're doing play by play things like that. How much do you enjoy? And, and the Brewers are so incredibly good when it comes to welcoming in families. How much have you enjoyed being able to share your profession with your kids? It's super special, um, and and they have they have no idea. Um, my kids, at least, will have no idea how hard it is to get to where to where I am and to where you are, and they don't have to experience that. And they get to enjoy going to an opening day at Miller Park. They're not going to an opening day in Bakersfield, California. You know, it's 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 really humbling to me and for them to in, enjoy this and for them to to be able to know where I am and, and, and yeah, it sucks that I'm on the road for 10 days at a time or during the basketball season where I'm, I'm calling games in Iowa or wherever I am that they can turn on the TV and go, Oh my gosh, there's dad. He's on TV. Look, I picked out his tie today or they can be driving back from school one day and we're, we've got a day game and they can pop on the radio and it's, it's me and Bob and they can go, Oh, dad's on the radio today. That's right. He's talking. I, I think it's so cool, and for them to have the experience that they have in the relationship, I talk about this with my wife a lot. Um, my son and and Bob Uecker have this really cool relationship, and he he doesn't know any different. I got this job, and Brock was my son. Brock was two months, four months old when I got the job, so he doesn't know anything different. Um, my minor league season was over; he was born, and then I I got to big leagues, so he he knows nothing but big league baseball. And he knows nothing but but Bob Euchre, and he doesn't realize how big of a human being and how big of a personality and just the celebrity that comes with with Bob. All my son, all Bob is, is the guy that works with my dad. And he gives me gumballs. Like that's that's cool. So that's really cool to me. It brings you down to like, you know what? That's what this is all about. He sees a tub of bubble gum. He goes, okay get a piece of gum or some sunflower seeds. Um, and even in the off season, my son sat down and, and wrote Bob and, and his wife a, a letter and said, Hey Bob, thinking about you. I can't wait to see you in, in Phoenix and for spring training. And Bob picked up a, a pen and wrote him a letter back and he got a letter back. So they became kind of pen pals. And it, it's that, that cool relationship where, you know, he's this larger than life, personality and celebrity but for my five-year-old it's like the grandpa that doesn't live close and that's that's a really cool relationship for me to see and and he doesn't get intimidated by it and I, my son doesn't I, I don't know Bob might be intimidated by my five-year-old but I highly doubt it but I mean it's just it's really it's just really cool to see that and for, for them to experience what it's like to, to come to to my job and and see what I do. And there was a game this this spring where my son. It was just me and my son, and and I was working with Lane and Kent was there. We were in surprise, second to last game that we were doing. And my son just sat in between me and Lane while we were calling the game, and he was coloring, and we were trying to keep him uh, busy, and he was keeping score a little bit. And then a big old swarm of bees comes up, and my son just, oh, this is so cool, Dad. His dad's taking a video while he's talking, and I'm just sitting here watching the Brewers and the Royals. There's nothing different. Just the fact that he gets to experience that is is so special, and um, you know you enjoy it too. It's just the the opportunity for for our kids to see life 
through through those colored lenses. There's nothing better than that. Yeah, well said. Your path to the Brewers, you came through the minor leagues, and people listening might go, yeah, that makes sense, but we've seen the trend. Actually, it, it, it applies to me, the reason I'm here. I was doing minor league baseball, and I noticed a trend in baseball that major league baseball play-by-play guys were coming more from the, the major league baseball pre- and post-realm, not so much the minor league play-by-play realm. So I made a, a decision to leave minor league play-by-play to come do Brewers Post, hoping that would set me up. But for you, you do make the move. You go right from the minor leagues into doing major league play-by-play, and you were first in what is now Lane's position with the Brewers, and then eventually moving into to the number two role the the path that you take and the path that every broadcaster takes is so different is there is there pride I mean what when you look back at where you've been and and and, and where you've got and this doesn't even include uh, all the great basketball stuff you're doing and, and, and foot you know occasional football stuff on television how do you kind of view the way you've got into where you're at if that makes any sense at all no, it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I do take a, an immense amount of, of pride and um, in knowing where I came from and the route that I took, um, all the bus rides and the lack of pay and all that stuff. And I mean, I cut my teeth just like the players did. Um, the numbers are not in our favor. The longevity is, is more in the broadcaster's favor uh, than, than the player route. But at the same time, it's harder to get in. There's only one of our jobs. Um, it's, it's extremely humbling to know where I was and where I started, why I got my, my first job and how I got my first job and, and how that all went down. Um, just basically replacing a a guy who had left and I had done a couple of games during the summer prior and they knew me and the assistant general manager of the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, where I had filled in a couple of times played for the same college coach that recruited me and he called him up and said, Hey, is this guy okay? Or is he, is he lame? Oh, he's a good guy. Okay. Well, that's how I got hired. That's how I got my first minor league baseball play by play job with like two or three games of experience. That's how I got my job. Um, and then my first day of work, they said, Oh, by the way, we don't have radio stations to go find a radio station. So then I had to be a, a radio station rights broker for our organization to make sure it was the right deal because teams pay the radio station for rights. So anyways, it's, it's all trial by fire at that point. But I take a ton of pride in, in knowing where I came from and, um, and the route that I took. And, and as you mentioned, every, everybody's different. Um, and, and I, can, I can go back to a moment in 2009 um, to where, I, I mean, I was at a major crossroads in my career, I just spent three years in, in Rancho Cucamonga and a ball and the ownership changed. George Brett's brother, Bobby bought the team that, that I had been working for and they were going to change my role. So this is October of, of say 2009. Um, and I was going to go from full-time salaried employee doing sales and all that stuff, media relations to just being the broadcaster media relations guy during the season they were going to take away all my benefits and all this stuff. And um, a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from a former coworker of mine that was now at that time in the Texas League in Double A. And he said, "Hey, listen, I just got an email from a guy that uh, one of the broadcasters in our league, and he just said that he is leaving his job and he is going to Rancho Cucamonga." And I went, "Huh, that's funny because that's my job." So where, where, okay. I didn't know that I was leaving. I didn't know that I didn't have a job. So 
I went into the office that day and I said, Hey, what's going on? They said, yeah, we've known this guy for a long time. He's been in our ownership group and he's got a long time girlfriend that he wants to be with on Southern California. So we decided to bring him in. So nobody told me. Hmm. Um, so I, I immediately got my tape out to the, the people in, in Springfield, which is where he came from and, and sent my stuff there and ended up getting the job because they thought it would be a cute story that we traded places and whatever for a bag of sunflower seeds and a draft pick to name later, whatever they turned into a funny press release. But if I don't get that job in double a, um, I, I don't know if I'm still doing play by play. Maybe I'm done. Maybe, maybe I go back and, and work on a television side and I'm a producer, I'm a, an associate director, or I'm working in the tape room or doing something else. Um, at that point, yeah, that was a big crossroads. And if I didn't get that job and moved it to Springfield, Missouri from Southern California, first time I'd ever lived outside of the state of California, who knows where my path would be. Um, so I look at those, those moments and there've been a few others over the course of my career, but especially that one in the, the off season of 2009 to where, I mean, it's the road less traveled and, and whichever way that path takes you, you got you gotta be ready. And I was, I didn't have any other choice. It was, let's go. And, uh, and it ended up working out. So who knows where it might have been had I not got that job. I don't know if I've ever told you this. If I have, I'll, I'm telling our listeners, I interviewed for that job that year, did not get it. Clearly you got it. And that's the year that I ended up at AAA in Colorado Springs just like a month later. The Springfield job? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that I took that job, but I'm glad that, that it all worked out for both of us. It did all work out. I'm I'm very glad that I you know I, I met my wife in Colorado Springs. I was I was doing AAA ball. There was a lot of good things from it. But yeah, I remember, yeah. and and I grew up in in the state of Missouri, so like I remember it was a bummer at the moment. Yeah. So my first uh, my first thought of you, Jeff, was oh, that's that guy who got that Springfield job. But I've I've come to like <laughs> you nonetheless. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It, again. Everything works out for a reason. You don't end up in Colorado Springs. You don't have your wife. You don't have your daughter. Maybe yep. you do, but maybe you don't. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I've told you for a while. Last thing, just you—you you finished out a year of uh, of college basketball, doing stuff. FS1, Big Ten Network. Uh, how much you do a lot of Marquette games? A lot of people see see you uh, doing that. How much is it's so different because you're going from the pace of baseball on radio to the pace of basketball on TV. So there's kind of two paradigm shifts going from one to the other. Do you enjoy that challenge of the broadcast being so incredibly different from one to the other? I really do. And I love working with all the analysts that I've, I've had the opportunity to work with over the last six years, um, doing the college basketball stuff that I've done. Um, it's a blast. And, and the pace it's really good for me to be able to do both to where in baseball, I'm describing everything because I'm, I'm the eyes and ears for everybody that's listening on television. I have to pull back and, and just remember to, to just kind of add the brush strokes to the painting, right? I don't have to do the whole thing. I just kind of add the, the highlights of it. So I really have to do a, a, a concerted effort and, and stop myself from talking a lot. Um, and make sure that my analyst gets in more and make sure that we're having conversation. I, I love the pace of basketball. I think it's fun. Um, I think the two conferences that I work the most, the Big Ten and, and the Big East Conference over the course of, of the wintertime um, are, are the two best in the country. And uh, I'm, I'm really lucky to get to those venues that are within those two conferences to see those great athletes 
Um, I mean, I looked at the, the top 25, the final poll that came out, and I, I ended up seeing 15 of the top 25 teams and, and calling their games at some point this year. And, um, I mean, the, the, I did a, a tournament over at Thanksgiving in Las Vegas that featured uh, two teams in the top 10, that Creighton and San Diego State, and then two more teams ended up in the top 25 in Texas Tech and Iowa. So that, that four-team tournament that I saw, all those teams ended up in the top 25, and I don't think anybody thought that at the time when we were calling those games, that, that all four teams would be in the top 25 at the, at the end of the season. Um, so I'm super lucky, and, and, it's, and it's a blast to do it. It's a blast to go to these arenas and see all these rabid fan bases in the best possible way. Wisconsin, Marquette, uh, especially here in Wisconsin, um, we're so spoiled with, with great sports, and, and college basketball is no exception. Well, Jeff, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for taking so much time. I really uh, really appreciate it. Man, I, I hope we're hearing you calling baseball on the radio real, real soon. We don't have much of a timeline on at this point, but I think we can both agree the sooner the better. Yeah, I hope so too, man. I, I appreciate the time. I'm happy to do it anytime. We got nothing but time. That is so, very true. Anytime, buddy. And take it easy. Enjoy your family. That was my conversation with Jeff Levering. Really appreciate him taking an extended amount of time to uh, be on this podcast. And uh, that was certainly a lot of fun to be able to uh, talk to him and talk to him, not just about what's going on right now, but the uh, certainly his path and everything. I felt like we could have gone on and on and on. He's, uh, he's a fun guy to talk to. And maybe we'll have him on the podcast again, uh, depending on uh, how long this ends up going and kind of pick up uh, that conversation from uh, where we were at. I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. Doing We've never, like gone back into the archives uh, here on Brewers Extra the podcast, but we're in different times right now. So I'm doing something a little bit different. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned uh, kind of my history with Jeff. I first met Jeff, first time I ever met him was when he was in what is now currently Lane Grindle's position uh, as kind of the number, the, you know, the, the number three guy. That was when Yuke um, was working with uh, Joe Block and Jeff was in that spot. And one of those, one of the parts of that job is going and visiting the minor league affiliates during the course of the year. You know, when the Brewers were at home generally, so Yuke and, uh, and Joe Block would have been doing the games. And now in the situation now, it's when Yuke and Jeff are doing the games. Lane is able to go to some of the minor league affiliates and, and visit out there. So I was working in Colorado Springs at the time. I was one of the broadcasters for the Sky Sox, which was in their first year being the AAA affiliate of the Brewers. In addition to that, uh, I was also the afternoon host. I did a three-hour talk show every weekday afternoon on the station that aired the Sky Sox games. And when the Sky Sox were at home, I would just do the show from the ballpark. And one day I walked in, and I'd never met Jeff before, and he was there as part of his role of going and visiting, and I brought him on on my afternoon show. So this was originally airing in May of 2015, so uh, it has been a little while. A lot of the questions, a lot of the answers that are in this thing have absolutely zero relevance to what is going on right now. But hey, you know what? It's kind of fun to get in the time machine and uh, pull something out of the vault and and go back. So a, a conversation, my first ever conversation with uh, Jeff Levering all the way back in May of 2015. Live from Security Service Field, Sky Sox taking on Omaha tonight. 6.30 first pitch will be on the air just a little bit after 6 o'clock here on AM 1300. The Animal, Dan Karcher, and myself. 
Uh, walked into the press box today, wasn't expecting to see uh, this individual, but it's fun to get to know him a little bit. He is one of the broadcasters for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, and he's come out to check out uh, the Sky Sox in their first year of Brewers uh, affiliation. It's Jeff Levering. Jeff, good to uh, get to know you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's fun to be out here in Colorado Springs. The, the air is thin. It is. It is. It's still taking me uh, time to get used to it. I've been here six years, so <laughs> it takes a little while. What... Um, what what brings you out here? I mean, I, we don't see big league broadcasters from the parent club come out very often. Well, it's uh, it's fun because uh, part of my role and in, in for my first year in the big leagues, I'm kind of Bob Uecker's pinch hitter. So when he doesn't want to make road trips, I'm going to be doing it for him. So uh, it's a nice opportunity for me. He's on he's on the current road trip right now in Chicago. Uh, so uh, I decided to come out here to Colorado Springs. I've been hosting a blog every single uh, a podcast every single week uh, called Brewers on Tap. It focuses a lot on the minor league side of things and kind of the lighter side of what's going on with the Brewers. So I um, wanted to interview Rick Sweet and Taylor Youngman and uh, Corey Knabel, some of the, the two guys that are probably on the on the Brewers' radar the most. Um, so I want to chat with those guys a bit and uh, started a minor league blog as well here recently that uh, started to get some traction. So the, the club wanted me to come down and check out the uh, the AAA affiliate. And uh, I've been up to Appleton to see the Timber Rattlers already as well. They've got some good prospects up there. And Biloxi and Brevard County are on the uh, on the docket as well. So I uh, just wanted to make sure I saw the, the top affiliate in the organization uh, as one of my first trips. I used to work at the Midwest League. Appleton was always one of my favorite uh, favorite trips. That's a good little city. Yeah, it's a great spot. My collegiate career actually ended with a fly out to left at uh, Fox City Stadium. So it's nice little symmetry coming all together. So it's a, it's a great place. Was that in? Uh, they host the D two or D three something every year, right? Yeah, the D three that... College World Series. Okay. That's, that's where I was. All right, where did you play? I played at Chapman University out in Southern California. So we won it in two thousand and three, and then uh, lost to Wisconsin Whitewater in 05, my senior year. There's only one way for you to answer this next question because you're an employee of the Brewers, but I'll ask it nonetheless. We've noticed you. Know, we, we were with the Rockies for so long here in Colorado Springs, being part of the the Brewers family. You know the the, the Twitter follows and the emails and and just everything. There seems to be a passion for for Brewers baseball from from top to bottom. Has have you noticed that, and does it surprise you at all? Uh, I have noticed it, and this is my first year in the organization too. I mean, I've, this is my fourth different organization that I've been a part of. Uh, I was with the Angels organization for three years, then the Cardinals, then the Red Sox, and now with the Brewers. And I, you know, I'm going from the Cardinals to the Red Sox, where you've got two totally different types of fan bases. Where if in St. Louis you go 0 for 4, they're going to clap and go, "Okay, you'll get them tomorrow." Where if you're in Boston, if you go 0 for 4, they're going to, you know key your car after the game um so up in milwaukee they're very passionate uh about the brewers and and they want a winning product on the on the uh, on the field at miller park and and i think that from top to bottom they see the organization they see the ebbs and flows and how players are coming through and they have the passion um that i've i've just grown to love and it's the midwest mentality and you've lived in it uh it's just so fun coming to the ballpark every day and having everybody happy and and i know the team is struggling right now not only at the major league level but here in colorado springs too but everybody is is so ultimately positive about everything and i I just think that it's a great way to go about life and about sports too so it's been fantastic we uh we kind of make the analogy here milwaukee is a small 
uh, major league market. Colorado Springs is a small triple A market. So, you know, the, the big outfield, the big outfield, there's, there's the, now the altitude isn't there, but there's mm-hmm. some other places where it's analogous. Uh, is that, is that fair? I mean, is it, is it a good fit to have Colorado Springs as triple A affiliate? I think it is. Uh, and you know, with all of the reshuffling that happened last year in the Pacific Coast League, which is crazy to me to fathom that six different teams would, would change affiliations. Um, but I think, of the places, I know Nashville, they had a 10-year relationship with them. I think Colorado Springs is the next best place that they could have ended up. I know uh, you know, the Giants were going to end up in Sacramento. That was going to happen no matter what. So there was the – I feel like Albuquerque wouldn't have been a good fit for the Brewers. Uh, I, I don't think Fresno would have been a good fit. Uh, so, again, I think Colorado – Springs is the perfect spot for for the Brewers to be. It's not hard to get to Milwaukee from here. Uh, you got direct flights every single day, and there's there's a good opportunity for players to come and go from from Colorado Springs. I, I think it's just a, a perfect fit. Uh, if Nashville wasn't going to work for us, uh, we found the next best place. Have you look? We are at altitude, and you look at the team ERA right now. It's it's worst in the league, and guys are adjusting to it. What's the what's the rumblings? What's the talking about with guys adjusting to Colorado Springs? I think it's tough. I mean, you know, not only are the the earned run averages elevated, but you know, you could talk about the the offense being a little bit elevated too. And, and we talk about it up at the big league level. You know, when you say, "Hey, you're looking at these AAA numbers," what do you add? Fifty points to a batting average? Do you have to subtract a full point of the ERA when you're looking at stats? I mean, I think they're they're looking more at your quality of at bats. They're looking at your quality of pitches that you're making on a day in and day out basis. And you know, they're going more on the reports rather than the actual numbers. And it's it's tough to pitch here. Guys are still getting used to. To the elevation, it's not easy. I was chatting with Corey Knable and Taylor Youngman, who Taylor's had a really rough April. Uh, he just has not adjusted to this to this level quite yet. And he goes, you know, I'm not really thinking about it. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to get moisture on my fingers, you know, whether it's the sweater, if I'm licking my fingers or something like that. That's been the biggest problem. It's not the the lack of spin on his off-speed stuff or his sinker not sinking as much with the elevation. It's more how can he get a better feel. So I think once the season gets progressing and he gets used to it, I think he's going to be okay. But uh, they're, they're starting to figure it out. And I know Rick Sweet, is he's been great with them. Uh, he, you know, he's not a, a super results driven guy uh just from my limited experience with him you know he wants the wins uh but at the same time he knows what the ultimate goal is to get these guys to milwaukee uh so he's just trying to stay positive with everybody it's, it's funny hearing you talk about taylor youngman the humidor's only been in here for uh three four years you should have felt those baseballs a few years back that was <laughs> the the difference hasn't been in the flight of the ball the difference has been in being able to grip the baseball because those things used to be you know as slick as a slip and slide uh, sure. back in the day now uh, they're a lot better no, I bet it was like gripping a cue ball. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine what it's like trying to throw a breaking ball with, with a cue ball in your hand. <laughs> Brutal. It's, uh, it's tough. Jeff Levering, a few more minutes with him. He's joining us. He's one of the uh, Brewers broadcasters. We see a couple guys uh, go up from the uh, position player side. Herrera and Rogers are both up. Um, how, how Obviously, they've both got some big league time before this year. How are they fitting in up there? Yeah, they've been great. I mean, Jason Rogers, when he's had his opportunities, has been great at the plate. I mean, uh, he's stepped in. I think he's still hitting over 400 up there. Uh, he played third base his first game, made a couple of bad throwing errors. I know third base is still a position where he's working, uh, trying to work out some kinks. He's usually a first baseman. Uh, but he's been great for us off the bench, and, and we need a little bit of offensive fire, firepower off the bench. And Elian Herrera, I mean, they knew what they got with him uh, in Milwaukee last year, 275 hitter, and 
He's got some position versatility at second base and at third base, and he can play short if you really need him to, uh, or the corner outfield positions. And I mean, he could not have made a bigger splash in his first game. I mean, comes out, hits a grand slam, and drives in five runs. They have five RBIs all of last season. So uh, they've been, they've both been great for us. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when uh, Carlos Gomez comes off the DL in the next couple of days, and Scooter Jeanette as well with the the laceration on his left hand. So we'll see what happens. But uh, no, they've both been great for. Is it would it be better for Rogers to be able to be back here and spend every day at third base to try to get those uh, just the defense worked out and not underneath the lights of the major leagues? Yeah, you know I think when you have an opportunity to play every single day, it's a benefit. Um, so if he's doing that at the big league level, fantastic. If he's doing it down here uh, and having some success with it, even better too. So uh, I just think he needs the reps on an everyday basis at third base. Is the belief that? Stuff is going to start going back in the right direction up there? That's the hope. I mean, uh, it's there's nowhere to go but up at this yeah. point. I mean, it was almost a comedy of errors for the first couple of weeks. It was bad pitching and bad offense and, and bad base running and, and bad defense, too. So, I mean, nothing was really going right. So I think they're starting to play a little bit better. And having Ryan Braun get back to where he needs to be is a big key, too. I mean, he had a big game against the Reds yesterday, uh, getting Aramis Ramirez, who is notoriously a slow starter, getting him going a little bit at third base, uh, it's only going to help us out. So I think we are a much better team than what we're showing right now at, at 5 and 17, I think what we are right now. Um, so I think we'll, we'll get ourselves going here pretty soon. Final thing for you, there's not a lot of broadcasting legends out there, but uh, Bob Euchre is one of them, and you get to work with him. What's that been like getting to know him and also being able to be a colleague of his? It's unbelievable. Uh, I, I still think it's extremely surreal that I show up to the ballpark and get to sit behind him and next to him on a daily basis. So uh, he, I will take this to my grave. He's the funniest man I've ever met in my life, and he's one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. So you know, him on, on Major League doing Harry Doyle, that is him in real life. Uh, he's fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a better guy to kind of work me into to being a big league broadcaster too uh, he is a legend you talk vin scully and you know bob Euchre's right behind him are they, are they doing another major league are they doing major league four is he going to be involved do you know any of that they're talking about it i'm not sure if he's going to be a part of it or not he's got to uh, be doesn't he I, I one would hope he would yeah. you can't have a major league without him being the broadcaster even if it was with the salt lake buzz back right. in uh, back in the minors so he's got to be a part of it if they do number four Jeff, uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me. That is uh, Jeff Levering. He's one of the broadcasters for the Brewers. We'll take a break. Again, if you you know if you were like scrubbing through and you you skipped over the middle part and you have no clue what that was, that was an interview that I did with Jeff Levering uh, on KCSFAM in Colorado Springs all the way back in uh, May of 2015 when he was vis- visiting Colorado Springs. That was the first time I'd ever talked to him. So there you go. A, a current day conversation with Jeff was uh, the first part of the podcast and an old school interview from many years ago in Jeff's first year with the Brewers organization that uh, we recorded together back in uh, Colorado Springs many, many years ago. Again, 2015, May of 2015 was when that uh, originally aired. I do want to mention that the Brewers, uh, and I alluded to this with uh, Jeff during our 
initial conversation. If you are looking for Brewers baseball, we still have it for you on WTMJ. Uh, Wednesdays, for the most part, we are going to have Brewers Classics, where we are going to replay some great games. And this upcoming Wednesday, April 1st, oh, it's a good one, we are going to go back to game 163 of 2018. You remember that one, Wrigley Field, as the Brewers and the Cubs not only played for an NL Central Division title, but also played for uh, the best record in the number one spot in the National League. And that's what uh, we'll replay that game coming up uh, this Wednesday evening. Coverage begins at 6 o'clock. And uh, that was a that was a fun day, to say the least. So you'll be able to hear that Wednesday night on WTMJ. All right, that's going to do it. Everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, um, self-quarantine, stay at home, don't gather in large groups. I'll say this before I get out of here, and this is probably out of place, but what the heck, because we're all baseball fans. If you're listening to this podcast, we're baseball fans. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. And I'm, not, I'm trying not to get it all political here, so just listen to what I'm saying. There's a lot of people out there who believe that the coronavirus pandemic is completely overblown and we're making a big deal out of it and it's a whole lot of nothing and the people who are getting sick and bad things are happening too, they were already compromised, blah, 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 blah. Then there's people all the way on the other side of the spectrum that think this is the worst thing in the world and it's not going to go away and all kinds of people are going to die and 18 months from now we're still going to be dealing with the exact same thing. The truth is probably somewhere in between. Uh, but, I'll, but I'll say this. There's one thing that we can argue. Like you, the, the people out there, no matter what side you, you are on there or wherever you're at in the middle, uh, you can argue that all day. What you can argue is that this thing is highly contagious and it is growing very, very, very quickly as people are doing things and people are too close to each other. Now, again, if you're one of the people that thinks it's not a big deal, you're going to sit here and say, well, if you get it, you get it, whatever. Again, that's not the point of what I'm saying here. As long as the numbers continue to go in the upward direction of more and more people contracting this, the longer it's going to be until we get baseball back, the longer it's going to be until we get sports back, the longer it's going to be until the world starts to return to normal. So if you're one of those people who doesn't think it's a big deal, so you're just trying to go about your life in a normal way and you're ignoring the order and you're spending time with people and you're going to parties and doing all that sort of stuff, not trying to like preach to you here. But all I would say is you can think that maybe you're right, maybe you're not right, that doesn't matter, but but it's going to continue to spread and we're going to have more and more time without baseball. So just spend some time at home. It stinks. Not being around humans is not good for us, but be on the phone, be on FaceTime, do all that stuff. And hopefully we can get back to normal sooner than later. There's a lot of people out there that are hurting. Like baseball is a, is a small part of this and sports is a small part of it. There's a lot of people out there that they don't know where their next paycheck's coming from. They don't know how they're going to be able to afford rent or afford that next meal. Like There's some, some real-life implications of what's going on, and I understand sports is a small part of it. I love sports. I love baseball. I want baseball back sooner than later. It is incredibly frustrating when I see these pictures of so many people out together because all it's going to do is continue to spread this thing, 
And again, no matter how serious or not serious you think it is, we're living in a world where sports is not gonna return until the spread starts to slow down. So do your part, stay inside, don't spread this darn thing, and hopefully we'll be back to sports sooner than later. I'll talk to you next week with another edition of Brewers Extra Innings Podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.